Go back here with me now. And let's look together here in the 139th Psalm. And I want you to understand this, that God's the observer. He's the observer. And He observes us. And every once in a while, He lets us get a little glimpse of Him and we observe Him. But there's nothing, nothing more dishonoring to God or a greater denial of the character of God than for us using His name or in His name to pretend what we're not. That's just awful, to pretend what we're not. Use words that are not sincere and which don't come from the heart. Don't come from the heart. And go out here and do works of religion so men would admire us and applaud us. You see, God looks on the, men look on the outward countenance, but God looks on the heart. And before I get into this, I want to show you a verse of scripture in Luke chapter, chapter 16. This is, this is what our Lord's talking about right here. This, and this is the thing, you know, when we talk about God observing us, seeing us, knowing us. The Lord knows us. He understands us. He's intimately, intimately acquainted with our persons, with our natures, with our very characters. So it's important and most necessary for us to know Him. To know Him. Now look what our Lord said. And he said unto them in Luke sixteen fifteen, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. So whenever you find something men just applauding and applauding and applauding, God said it's an abomination. But it's, we need to know that we know the God that knows us. Because he knows us. He knows our name. He knows our nature. He knows our character. He knows everything there is to know about us. And we'll find out that He knows about us before we was even formed in our mother's belly. And that's why we need to know Him. This is eternal life. That we might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. That's why Paul said, I know whom, whom I have believed. I have believed. And look what is the first verse is like this. Let's go down through this together. O Lord, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. You know, when we consider this universe and all that's in it, how small are we in the whole scheme of things? How small are we in the whole scheme of things? What a small, small part. It's very, very small part we have in this universe. And yet, he says here, Lord, thou hast known me. Thou hast known me. And it says here, thou hast searched me. The Lord knows us as thoroughly as if he examined me and you minutely, went through us minutely in every part of us. And He searches us with a sovereign eye, with an eye that's all-seeing. 
And this infallible, this infallible knowledge has always existed. For he's always searched us and always searched me and always searched you. And the scripture said over in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it says over there, it said, said, there's not any creature that's not manifest in his sight. For all things are open and naked before him with whom we have to do. And I tell you, beloved, that's who we have to do with. And he said, I know you. He said, you, I know you and I searched you. As small as we are, he said, I did this. I did this. And look what he said here in verse 2. Thou knowest my downsetting and uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. What he said here is he said, I know every move you make. I know every move you, if you're whether you're down setting, sitting down, or you're getting up. Whether we sit down to read a book, sit down to read the Bible, sit down to watch the television, or go to write a letter, whatever we're going to do, get up, rise up, walk, work, play, wherever we're at. He said, I know where you're at, and I know every movement you make. He wants you to get in here and sit down. He's going to watch you when you get up and go on. Huh? Oh, listen to this. And he says, And thou understandest my thought afar off. He knows all our thoughts. My thoughts, your thoughts. Listen to this. He knows what they've been, what they are right now, and what they will be before they before you think it. What a God. What kind of God? What what a blessed God. What a glorious God. Huh? And then look what he says. Oh my goodness. In verse 3. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and acquainted with all my ways. He knows all of our actions. And when it says thou compassest about, that means he encircles us. He puts a circle around us. He, he comes all the way around us. Huh? Oh my whether I, and he said whether I'm laying down whether I'm asleep or when I rise up he said oh my when I'm laying down sleeping or whatever I'm doing you're acquainted listen to this with all my ways and when he talks about his ways he's talking about your motives he's talking about your actions all the purposes all our desires Ah, mm. and then look what he says in verse 4 for there's not a word in my tongue but oh Lord thou knowest it all together <laughs> that's why he said let thy words be few oh he knows our words there's never been a word in my tongue or your tongue that's not registered in God's mind in heaven itself. And he knows every word you say. And oh, I tell you, there's not a word in your tongue that God hasn't heard. Oh, hasn't heard. So I'll tell you what, if we understood God, understands every word, sees every word comes out of our mouth, we ought to be very, very careful of what we say. And be especially be careful what we say to one another. And be especially careful what we say about one another. 
and especially careful in what we say about Him. Huh? Oh my. And then He says this, there's not a word in my tongue that God doesn't know. And then He says, He says there again in verse 4, O Lord, Thou knowest it all together. <laughs> he knows all these words all together. He knows where they come from, whether they're sincere, whether they're honest, whether they're from your heart. He knows the source of them, where they come from. He knows the reason behind them, why you say what you say. And He knows what the result is going to be by what you say and the consequences of what you're going to say and what you have said and will say. He knows exactly what's going to come out. The results of what you say. Huh? Oh my. Mm. <laughs> you know, this is the God that knows us. Yeah. Well, it knows us. And it doesn't put fear in my heart. It puts adoration and love and thankfulness. And thank God that I know Him. Hmm? Then look what He said in verse 5. He said, Thou hast set me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Now He says, you know, He said, He said, you, you got in front of me and you got behind me. He's in front of us and He's behind us. Huh? And I tell you what, there's no escape, there's nowhere you can go. You go forward and he's there. You go back and he's there. Unless we think, unless somebody thinks that his way far off from us and the further behind us, that he's real distance from us, and then look what he says. He said, then you laid your hand on me. You think he's too far behind? Reach out and touch you. <laughs> he's too far in front? We can touch you. Oh, mm. no wonder. That's why, Lord, you know, laid his hand on him. And you know, God laid his hands on us in his blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how he laid his hands on us. He said, Oh, thou given him power over all flesh, that he should give or lay his hand on all that was given unto him. And I tell you what, he laid his hands, he lays his hands upon men either to deal in mercy and deal in grace like he does us. Or else he can deal in judgment and lay his hand on a man in judgment like he did Pharaoh. He said, Pharaoh, I raised you up. You're on the throne for one reason. To let you know that I'm God and you're not. And all oh, listen, look in verse 6. Dear Shirley and I, sweet Shirley and I were talking about this on the way. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain unto it. Now when you start thinking, just what we've dealt with tonight, is that not too high for you? How do you grasp this? How do you get it? How do you understand it? When you talk about the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God, the omnipresence of God. He says, it's just too wonderful for me. 
Just too wonderful. Such knowledge that God knows me. Search me. Knows I get up and get down. Lay down and get up. Knows what I say. Knows what I think. Everything about me. He said, it's just too wonderful for me. I can't understand it. Look what he says. He said, you know, when you think about the wisdom of God and the glory of God and the holiness of God, oh, how high it is. Look what he says. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. It's so high. That about the time I think I've got a handle on it, it's out of reach. It's out of reach. Huh? And i tell you something that I most, when we feel like when God comes down and lets us leave this world for just a couple of minutes at a time, and when we're in a worship service and worshiping God, and know how, when that time right there, everything about God's still higher than you and I can ever think. Huh? You know, that's why it says it's going to take eternity for us to get it. Oh my. Let me show you. Let me look in Romans chapter 11. This is, this is what we're talking about here. This is what we're talking about. Romans 11 verse 30, 33. This is what we're talking about. He said, oh, it's just to, to touch knowledge. Now what knowledge? God's knowledge of me. That's what he's been talking about. He said, all the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who hath been his counselor? Who hath first given to him and he has turned around and said, I need to pay him back. For of him, through him, by him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. And that's why that's what I feel like right now. <laughs> Dealing with these scriptures. And he talks about, you know, this this God is too wonderful for me. When you think about all the attributes of God and his faithfulness and his promises and his attributes because of who he is that makes his promises sure my promises are not sure but his is because of who he is and you think of it you know you think about the incarnation of Christ how many times have you heard it preached how many times have you thought about it God was manifested in Christ manifested on this earth and yet it's unexplainable how he got here and what he was like while he was here. And we've been talking about it for decades and people have been talking about it for centuries. And it's still, anybody know how to explain it? No. Too high for us. Huh? And then you talk about the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ. His blessed death. His blood shedding for us. That brought us our salvation and guarantees, guarantees, now listen to me, guarantees our salvation. His death guarantees our salvation. Oh my. Can you explain that? No, you? No, you? After God searched you out, He said, listen, 
I guarantee them salvation. If I save them, I guarantee they're going to be saved. And I guarantee they'll stay saved. Why? Because he's God. Huh? And you talk about the resurrection? When he said we'll be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye? That this old corruption here will put on incorruption, this mortal will put on immortality? That's too high for me. <laughs> and how do you account for his inspired word? How do you account for that? That this is a this is a book of God. Every word he breathed it, he brought it into existence. And the only way he can be known is through this. Oh, how do you account for his inspired word? It's too high. What about the power of the gospel? The power of the gospel, the gospel, the power of it. Oh, too high. No wonder Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him and the power, power of his resurrection. Oh, my. Hmm. Now, look what he said here in verse 7. Let's go down through here. The psalmist now, he goes down and says, Oh, I think about God. His knowledge is so wonderful. And all he knows about me. He says, Oh my. What if I, what if, if my, if my sin became so burdensome to me? I, I got so afraid that I thought, well, maybe I could have some place to get away from God. But oh my. Here's why some things are too wonderful for him. He said, where can I go from, whither shall I flee from thy, from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? Where can I go where you're not? Where can I possibly go? And if I, look what he says, I can ascend to heaven. I can go to the highest place. The highest place. And when I get up there, I find out you're there too. I'll go down to hell and make me a bed down there. And when I get down there, I find out you're there too. And then look what he says. If I take the wings of the morning, in verse 9, I get up in the morning and I take off flying. And I, and I have, of course this is metaphorical, if I take the wings of the morning, fly off, and go out into the uttermost part and go out as far into the sea where nobody can see me. Past the horizon. And what does he say? When I get there, there's your hand. <laughs> even there, wherever I'm at, wherever I'm at, he said, even there, thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand going to hold me. Wherever I go, up, down, out. He said, you got a hold of me. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, oh, go to the highest, the deepest, the most remote dwelling places. Then look what he says. And oh, my, look what he said in verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me. Oh my, darkness can't see me. Even the night's going to be like daylight to you. That's what he's saying. He said, when it's dark, 
said, darkness don't mean nothing to you. In fact, we lived in darkness. We were in darkness. And he brought the light. And that's what he says. Yo, yea, the darkness, it don't even hide from you. And the night shineth just like the day. When, the, when God sees the night, it's just like the sun at the midday to him. Oh my, the darkness and the light are both alike to you. So that tells us, I mean, you think, no place you can go, no place that you can go. There's no place you can go where God said, I got my hand, I got you, I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to hold on to you. Uh-huh. And then look in verse 13. Oh my, listen to this now. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. And what this means is that God owns us lock, stock, and barrel. He not only observes me and knows me and knows you, He's the owner, owner of our innermost part. He says, you possessed me. And He even, when I was in my mother's womb, in the secret places, and I didn't even know I was there, He said, you covered me. <laughs> He told Jeremiah, for you was formed in your mother's belly. I knew you. I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet. Oh, when I was hidden in a mother's womb, when you we all of us, in our most secret parts, he says, my reins. And that means the secret conditions of our hearts and all the things, yet not born. God said, he possessed me. He possessed me. Ain't that what it says? He possessed me. Then look what else he said. Oh, God owns it. I'm certainly thankful he does. I'm certainly thankful he does. Look down here in verses 14 and that go down for down to verse 16 together. And he said, I'm going to praise you. Since I know all these blessed things and you've, I've, you've taught me these things, you've searched me, you've known me, you know my getting up, getting down. There's no place I can go where you're not. Your hands led me. Your right hands upheld me. You covered me in my mother's womb, possessed me from my mother's womb. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Oh my. David is going now. He's looking at God. He's seeing God. And he says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, we live, we, we have lived in a fourfold state. And God, when he made us, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He created us in Adam. Adam was our father. Created us in Adam. Adam fell, and we fell with him. Born in sin. Born in Adam, born in sin. Created in Adam, fallen in Adam. Two states. Regenerated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Born again by the Spirit of God. Given a new nature by the Spirit of God. That's the third state we're in. Anybody want to know what the fourth one is? When we become glorified. <laughs> When, when he takes us from this world to the next, 
when that glorification is ours, that will be our fourth state and final state. Started out over here in Adam, end up up yonder. Who <laughs> do that? No wonder David I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh my. And that's why it says, Marvelous, marvelous are thy works. Oh God, how marvelous is your works. And then he says in, there in verse 14, And my soul knows it well. My soul acknowledges and knows it. And then look what he says in verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. When he says my substance, you know what our substance is? It's our being. It's our life. It's the size we are and everything about us. is known to you. And look what he says. When I was made in secret. When we is not even yet born. And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth when I was conceived and formed in my mother's womb. You knew me. And everything I was, my substance. Ah, and oh my. And you saw me. Look what he says here in verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance being unperfect. Ah. Oh my. And in thy book all my members were written, which were continuance, were fashioned when there is yet none of them. And what he's saying here is you saw me, you knew me, you loved me, and in your book of life and in your book of purpose, everything about my life and my days were recorded right there and then. Huh? Oh, and yet I had none of it. I didn't have no substance, didn't have nothing. But yet you saw me. And wrote everything about me in your book. In your book of perfect. You know, God has proved, He chose us in Christ for the foundation of the world. He sent His Son to be the good shepherd to lay down His life for the sheep. And God has predestinated predestinated all whom he's known like this and put in his book when they was curiously wrought curiously wrought he's foreknown them he's predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his blessed son and just as sure as God's on his throne we're going to end up like that now you think about this here's here's Joseph God had a hand on him before he was ever born. His father loved him like he loved none of nobody else. His brethren hated him and despised him. And this young Jewish boy, how did he go from Israel, from a pit to a prison, to a to a slave, to a prison, and then go to a throne? Because God said, I knew you and I possessed you. And I put everything about you in my book. Said, Joseph, when they hadn't even been formed yet, this is what I got for you. You know, preachers said, got a wonderful plan for your life. I wonder what, wonder what they'd think if it's like Joseph and his in prison. <laughs> oh my. 
But I'll listen to what he says in verse 17. Oh, when as yet none of them, yet none of them even existed. But he saw us, he loved us, he knew us. And in his book, book of life, book of purpose, he wrote everything about us in there. And then look what he says in verse 17. How precious, oh Lord, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me. How precious are your thoughts unto me that you would... Listen. Now we already know that we found out God knows our thoughts. He watches everything about us. And man by nature, he's only evil continually. But he says, oh, how precious what you think about me. Your thoughts about me. Huh? And his thoughts toward us is love, kindness, grace, compassion, life. And you think about this, that God would even think about you. That you're in one of his thoughts. And then he says, oh, how precious are your thoughts unto me, O oh God. And I tell you what, it's all not only that, but it's wonderful that his thoughts toward us is not evil. Not evil, but full of grace. And oh my. And look what he says in verse 18. If I should count thy thoughts unto me, how great is the sum of them. And if I started counting them, if I started counting them, (laughs) the thoughts you have toward me, how precious they are. If I started counting them, I couldn't count them because that his thoughts toward us are more than the sand in the desert or on the ocean. And then look what he says. And when I and I can go to bed, he says, when I wake, when I go to bed, when I go to bed, rejoicing in your blessed mercies, and I lie down to go to sleep. Look what he says. When I wake, <laughs> when I wake up the next morning, I'm still his. <laughs> He's still with me. <laughs> oh my. No wonder one of these days we're going to lay down and take our final sleep. And when we awake the next time, we'll be satisfied because we're going to awake in his likeness. Huh? Oh. Now look what he says in verse 19. Now he really goes. He changes, he changes so much right here. He says in verse 19, Surely, surely that will slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloody men. For they speak evil against you wickedly, and thine enemies, they take thy name in vain. You know, God, as sure as he's redeemed his elect and saved his elect, he's going to also slay the wicked. Eternal death outside of the Lord Jesus Christ is as sure as eternal life there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these wicked men, they've done two things. Look what they said. Look what they said here. First of all, they speak against God. Look what he says there in verse 24. They speak against thee, and they speak against you wickedly. Uh, And then next thing is, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Or oh, they speak against him and take his name in vain. 
And you know this is done more in religion than any place else. It really is. And David says, Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate you. Your enemies are my enemies. And he said, Am I not grieved with those that rise up against you? Those that come up and lie against you. Those that take your name in vain. Those that speak against you so grievously. He said, That grieves me to my heart. And he said, Listen to this. Now I hate them with perfect hatred. I do. He said, I hate them with a per- those that take your name in vain and speak wickedly against you. I hate I hate your enemies. I count them mine enemies. I hate them with a perfect hatred. Oh my. You know you can't love righteousness and love wickedness. You can't love the righteousness of God and your own works at the same time. You can't preach the sovereignty of God. And then go through life complaining about your lot in life. Mm-hmm. Let me get, let me give you an illustration, and I'll, and I'll wind this thing up. Uh, Greg and I was talking about this, and this is this is why how men take the offense out of the cross. They'll say the death of Christ is sufficient for everyone in the world, but it's only efficient for God's elect. Now that takes the offense out of the gospel. Now that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. The death of Christ is only sufficient and only effectual to those who is given to Christ in the eternal covenant of grace. And for me, to, it'd be like me saying, God loves everybody, but He loves His elect especially. That takes the sting out of it. takes the offense out of the cross. And we're not going to do that. That's why David said, I hate them with a perfect hatred. And all mine. Now listen to this now. Now he started out saying, Oh God, you've searched me. And you've known me. And then he ends up saying this. After he talks about the wicked, he said, Lord, search me. When you find out God the way he really is, he said, Lord, now you search me. (laughs) Search me again. And oh Lord, know my heart. Oh know it. Try me, try me, try me, put me, try me, and know my thoughts. And Lord, if you see, if there's any wicked way in me like these people, lead me, lead me in the way like you everlasting. Lead me that way. Huh? Ain't you glad that God observes us? And then he's let us observe him to just a little bit? Huh? Oh, what a what too wonderful, too high for me. But I sure like to think about it and talk about it, don't you? Our Father, oh blessed Father, precious name, glorious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us to meet here tonight. Thank you for allowing us to talk about you. Talk about your son. Talk about your knowledge of us. Your love for us. Your purpose for us. Oh God. How we bless you and praise you. And Lord bless those that are listening. Bless those that are hearing. And those we prayed for Lord God. Remember them. For Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.
Turn your eyes upon Jesus Full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace. Well, 